Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Early one morning while making the rounds, I took a shot of cocaine and I shot my woman down. I went right home and I went to bed. I stuck at loving 44 beneath my head. Got up next morning and I grabbed that gun. Took a shot of cocaine and away I run. Made a good run, but I run too slow. They overtook me down in Juarez, Mexico. Laid in the hot joints, taking the pills. And walked the sheriff from Jericho Hill He said, Willie Lee, your name is not Jack Brown You're the dirty hack that shot your woman down Damn. Welcome back to the Bullshit Filter 3.5, I think, Ray uh, Yes, you're right How's it going? Um, yeah, it's going good, Ray How are you going, Ray? Um, I'm feeling... White and pure and light compared to Johnny Cash. I don't even know what I mean feel, by that, but that's how I feel. You're, feel, you're feeling white. <laughs> that's great. Um, we're still talking about cocaine uh, on the show. Uh, we finished off last episode talking about songs and cocaine, and I was making the point that most songs that I could think of uh, that, that had anything to do with cocaine were anti. They were negative. Right. Um, not many positive cocaine songs out there, even though you can be sure that pretty much everyone who's ever picked up a guitar and written a song <laughs> has snorted a fucking ton of cocaine at some point in time, at least in the glory days right. of uh, rock and roll, 50s, 60s, 70s, okay, and, and the 80s. And then maybe they got off in the 80s to a large extent, although I think cocaine's still pretty big today. That was Johnny Cash's cover of the old uh, Red Arnell song from 1947. Cocaine Blues, originally called Transfusion Blues, I think. That's from uh, Johnny's Folsom Prison album. Um, The the thing I love about that song is it's a song about a guy who snorts some cocaine, kills his wife, goes to bed, gets up, snorts some more cocaine, (laughs) goes on the run, gets caught by the cops, goes to prison. And at the end of the song, which I didn't play, but at the end of the song, he advises everyone listening to stay off cocaine. Not not murder your wife. Right. Just to stay off cocaine is his is his message there. Don't become a future. Kill your wife. Yeah. That's fine. Right. It's okay to kill your wife. Just don't do cocaine. Yeah. Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> um, of course, the most famous song about cocaine, I think, is this one. If you want to get down, down 
And this is obviously that's JJ Cale's original version, most famous because Clapton covered it. And right. he's, it's one of Clapton's most famous songs. I read an interview with Clapton. I always assumed that was a pro cocaine song. Um, and then I, I read an interview with Clapton uh, the mm-hmm. other night, and he said, no, it's an anti-cocaine song. Right. But if you hear the song and you don't know any better, and for you it sounds like a positive cocaine song, isn't that all that matters? What's in the back of some guy's head? If you don't know, it doesn't matter. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it could be. And and, and I read a, a journalist talking about it saying, what the fuck would Clapton know? He didn't write the song. Got to ask JJ Kale what, whether it is or it is. Like asking asking <laughs> Clapton uh, the meaning of the lyrics of that song is like asking fucking, I don't know, don't worry, I don't know, somebody else who covered somebody else's song, what the meanings are. You don't know. That didn't really come in. That didn't make a lot of sense. But I, the, I knew what I meant. Shut yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, so, again, if Clapton's right, it's an anti-cocaine song. But as you say, if you don't know that, then maybe it's a pro-cocaine. The only pro-cane, pro-cane, <laughs> the only pro-cane coke song I could come up with was uh, this one. By Buck Cherry. Apparently, when that song first came out mm-hmm. in uh, 2000 and 1999, actually, 1999, yeah, um, uh, MTV censored the lines glorifying you. <laughs> they, so the chorus was, they just, no, no lyrics. They just mumble, could, mumble. Wouldn't, wouldn't play, I love the cocaine. So, yeah. but that was the only pro cocaine song I could think of, which kind of surprised me. Yeah. So yeah. so so what does that what does that say what um do you think it's true of other countries like in Australia are there any or when you said music you you think anything in the in the western world is that what you were talking about <laughs> not just uh the united states well yeah yeah no everything but i mean i couldn't think of any pro cocaine songs and I looked it up. I thought, well, right. maybe it's just me. And I, I went digging up. No, couldn't find a lot of pro cake. Pro. It's hard to say pro cocaine. For some of us. Pro. I'll just call it pro. I couldn't find any pro songs. Um, 
for some of us. Fuck you. Um, so anyway, getting into the guts of the story, who benefits from a ban on cocaine, Ray? Who who would you think would be the obvious people who would have benefited from the early 20th century ban on cocaine? Well, obviously, uh, I'm afraid, I'm embarrassed you even had to ask, all the people that are addicted who no longer will be able to get it and therefore get off of it and go back to leading productive lives. Those are the people that benefit the most because they can't get their hands on it. The government is saying, just say no for them. And no one has ever (laughs) used cocaine since. So golf clap for the government. Mighty good work there, ladies and gentlemen. Well, mostly gentlemen. There were no women in government in 1916 anyway. Right. Uh, so I'm guessing I was off yeah. a bit? Slightly, okay. yeah. Now, on, on the surface, I think we might believe that the major benefits go to the people who continue to sell it on the black market right. and the manufacturers of other kinds of drugs. That was going to be my legitimate guess, yes. Especially alcohol. I can imagine if I'm an alcohol manufacturer in 1916, I'm saying, hey, 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 whoa, people are using this cocaine. So they, they should just be drinking booze yeah. like the rest of Turn us. Turn to us. Yeah, come to us. Don't, don't come be to getting me. that cocaine. Yeah, yeah. You want to keep going with that? That's I can't remember anything else. Was that the snake in um, Mowgli, the Jungle Book, Come to Me? I can't remember. I have no idea what you're talking about, but uh, I think it's the cocaine talk. <laughs> so well, yeah. keep in mind that prohibition was still five or six years away when right. this this came into play. So the booze manufacturers are probably seeing cocaine as competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine they had a fair amount of influence in different parts of the U.S. Um, as we know, not enough influence to stop prohibition by the time it kicked around, but. Right. There were, but I imagine that they had some input into the making of the sausage here. The sausage being the the ban on cocaine. Right. Um, one other thing I think people don't often think about is whenever you make something like this illegal, police and federal law enforcement budgets get a boost. Ah. Oh. So they the cops usually benefit. The prisons benefit. Right. Because they know that people aren't going to stop using drugs. You make it illegal. People are going to keep using it because they're addicted. I mean, you don't easily stop using things that you're addicted to. And even if you're not addicted and you just you have a shitty life and you're miserable and you have no spiritual framework to get you through the ups and downs of life, mm-hmm. you, you need to fall back on something that's going to give you some mental psychological, emotional release, and, and that's quite often drugs and or booze. But what about all um, the non-profit prisons America has? Yeah. Okay, there's not, not, no time for humor here, right? Sorry. Uh, Sorry. The cops, um, you know, if they can make shit like this illegal, they get more budget, they can hire more guys. They're interested in their own careers, mm-hmm. their own little domains. How, how can I push my career forwards? How can I get more money? How can I hire more people? Um, so there's a lot of people in, in those sorts of areas that, that benefit. But there's one kind of person in particular who benefited from these laws in the early part of the 20th century that I think is often overlooked. Mm-hmm. Politicians, mm-hmm. and in particular, white politicians. Explain, please. 
So remember that this period that we're talking about, the early 20th century, is not long after emancipation. Right. When was when was the Emancipation Declaration? 1860, 70? When was yeah, the Civil War? At, at the end, of, it's, it ended in 1865, April. Right. So I'm just Googling it because you don't fucking know. Yeah. I thought you had a history. I thought you had a degree in history. Um, Emancipation Proclamation, 1863. Oh, the uh, Gettysburg Trust. Sorry. Sorry. <sighs> Fucking hell, man. Um, and then, you know, obviously it didn't take effect uh, uh, straight away. Right. Then you had your whole post-bellum thing and your reconstruction and the blah, 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 blah. Um, but here we are in the early 20th century, so your black men could vote. Slavery was outlawed. Uh, and technically, your, your black men... Yeah. <laughs> technically, uh, your black men could vote. Um, now, I say black men um, because, you know, your women... You still couldn't vote. Right. When did women get the vote in the United States? Uh, blah, 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 blah. I know women in South Australia got the vote in 1895. In the United States, white women over the age of 21 mm-hmm. were allowed to vote in the Western Territories of Wyoming in 1869 and in Utah from 1870. Nice. Um. Surprising in Utah, quite frankly. Um, well, the men told them how to vote, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but I wonder. I wonder. Um, here we go. Women's suffrage in the United States. Which amendment? Uh, Nineteen twenty. Nationally, that's they got it. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to Chrissy about this the other night. Last night. So you know, a hundred years ago, women couldn't even vote. Yeah. I mean, that is fucking insane. What the fuck, man? Yeah. Uh, in most in most places in the world, in the developed world, the the, the 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 democratic part of the world, women couldn't even vote a century ago. Um, but technically, your black guys were so so they had to stop the black man from voting. Mm-hmm. Basically, right. Uh, is the point here, particularly in the South. Now, uh, may surprise some non-Americans, I'm sure Americans know all this stuff, but for non-Americans, may surprise you to uh, learn that the South was controlled by the Democrats back then, and it was the Democrats that introduced the Jim Crow laws. Right. And the the basic intent of the Jim Crow laws was, as I understand it, and you can correct me here, Ray, because you're from the South, but my understanding is the Jim Crow laws were all about legalising... Um, equal but separate, yeah. or separate but equal, right. um, in, in a variety of right, a variety of sneaky ways. Yeah. Not just segregation, but making the lives of the blacks as difficult as possible within the limits of the law. Yeah, can, can I, I just want to read one statute from the uh, state of Alabama, the glorious state of Alabama? I just thought this was too funny. When it comes to the Jim Crow laws, it shall be unlawful to conduct a restaurant or other place for serving of food in the city at which white and colored people are served in the same room, unless such white and colored persons are effectually separated by a solid partition extending from the floor 
upward to a distance of seven feet or higher, and unless a separate entrance from the street is provided for each compartment. As in, you don't even want to have to see these people when you take your wife out or whatever going to a restaurant. That's how extreme this was. You don't want to see them or you don't want your wife to Uh, see the big black dude. Yeah, I think that's what was going on here, man, is they were like, shit, if she sees that guy, she's going to want a piece of that dark, dark meat, man. The way to walk so, Democrats. Yes, go ahead. Democrats. Democrats were behind the Jim Crow laws. Um, Now, uh, Jim Crow, uh, I, I had to dig this to do this. Do, do you know who Jim Crow was, where the term comes from, Jim Crow laws? No, I know. Did you know before you read my notes? Nope. Anyway, I something about a song, but that's all I know. <laughs> yeah, I asked Chrissy, she goes, well, it was a guy. I know that. It was named after a guy. It wasn't named after a guy at all. There was no guy called Jim Crow. And they go, you know what? In honor of Jim Crow, we're going to name these racial segregation laws after Jim Crow. It comes from an old song from 1832, Jump Jim Crow, mm. which was performed by a white man, no. Thomas Rice, who dressed up in blackface, oh. and it was kind of the start of the minstrel movement. Great. Um, anyway, I think from that song, the term Jim Crow just became like a racial epithet for black guys, right. and uh, these laws were the Jim Crow laws, so they weren't even hiding it. They weren't even like, well, oh, no, these aren't, these aren't laws targeting the Negroes. No, 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 they were like, yep, yep. fuck it, we're going after the Negroes, man. Like, just, yep. yeah, straight up. Yeah. And I love that about this. These guys, these guys, <laughs> they weren't like sneaky racists like you get today. With, these with were like on. Trump racists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had race, racist tattooed. <laughs> Instead, you, did you see that photo came out yesterday, I think, uh, taken with Trump... <laughs> Did his little White House when by yesterday for people listening? I mean, like fucking weeks ago. By the time you listen to this, but Trump was doing his little White House get together with people to talk about the the shooting mm-hmm. in Florida, and he and where he came up with the great idea that we should you know have um, trained mercenaries as teachers and give them AR-15s and, and, and grenade launchers. Um, but they, 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 the photographer stepped a photo. He has forty five embroidered on the cuff of his uh, shirts. Just so it pokes out a little bit under his jacket when he's uh, shaking somebody's hand. He says, yeah, I'm 45. Look at that. 45, bitch. 45. President 45. That's me. He's got that. He doesn't, not his initials. 45. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. Anywho. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, these, these, these are proud Trump racists, these people. Yeah. Um, now, some of the laws that they introduced to stop blacks from voting, uh, which is what a lot of this was about. Mm-hmm. Is to stop them because because you think about it, you're you're, you're a black guy, your uh, your your parents, your grandparents, your great grandparents were slaves. Uh, they they not only were not allowed to vote, they got no say about shit, right. man. Uh, yeah. All of a sudden, uh, you you can vote. You have your quote unquote freedom now. Of course, freedom is bullshit. You know the the emancipation uh, of the American uh, African Americans was kind of bullshit because they didn't get any compensation, right? So all of it, one day, you're a slave on a cotton farm. You got no money. You got no savings. You got no education. You got no skills apart from picking cotton. The next day, they go, "Well, you're free. Good luck. Uh, go out there, get yourself a good job, and make something of yourself." Right. You go, but I, but I don't have an education. 
Uh, well, don't give me any fucking excuses. Just go out there. Look, this is America. You can do whatever or, you want. Make, but <laughs> Or you can yeah. stay here and work for me. Now, I'm going to pay you. Yeah. I'm not going to pay you very much, but at least you'll have a job. And you can sleep in the same and place I'm, you were sleeping. No, you can't even do it because you have to pay rent okay. now. I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay you nothing because let's face it, you're not going to get a job anywhere else. And now you have to pay rent and buy your own food, yeah. and your own clothes, and your own transport, and your own medical supplies, and everything because you're not my property anymore. I don't have any obligation to give you any of that. You're going to have to pay for all your shit. But I don't. Have, no, no, fucking, yeah. you're free. Enjoy, enjoy yeah. your freedom, motherfucker. This is America. Um, so it was bullshit, right. uh, 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 complete bullshit. But anyway, I mean, not it was good. It was good bullshit, better than being a slave. But it was not. It wasn't enough. By they should have been. Everyone should have been given like a million dollars. Like here's a fucking million dollars. We're very, very, very fucking sorry. Right. Uh, here's a million dollars, and put your kids in the best fucking private schools. You can find. In fact, we'll build private schools. Go out and build your own private schools. Here's a million dollars. Go build your own private schools. Right. And um, you well, and the, the Native Americans can go to them. Well, between the, the way the Civil War ended, that was never going to happen. But yeah, they should have they should have thought it through. Between Sherman's march, burning Atlanta and burning all lots of Georgia, and uh, the assassination of Lincoln, that shit wasn't going to happen for the people who took over. It yeah, I think Lincoln would have taken in a whole different direction. But that doesn't matter because he died. So we'll never know what he would have mm. done. So. Anywho, a lot of these Jim Crow laws were about stopping these blacks from voting because if they're going to vote, they're probably not going to vote for the <laughs> white massa, right. you know, yeah. and the white masses' political representatives. They're going to go, we'll put our own boy in there, man. We'll, yeah. we'll put our own guy in there. They're like, no, fuck that shit. We can't. <laughs> They'll end up taking no over. Vote. So yeah. they introduced things like literacy tests. Mm-hmm. In order to vote, you have to be literate. Well, these guys got no education. Oh, not my fucking problem. Yeah. There, there were tests, they, they, and there was a registrar sitting right there, and he decided whether or not you passed the test. And believe it or not, most of the time, he decided that you almost passed the test, and you could almost vote. They Almost, almost. yeah. Um, that, they also legislated all white primaries. <laughs> Look, you can vote. Uh, but you have to vote for a white guy. Right. That's just uh, just how it is. Yeah, sorry. And the big one, the one that I want to primarily focus on, felony disenfranchisement. Mm. Uh, that's that's a big word um, for for any of you illiterates out there who can't vote. It basically, means anyone with a felony record is banned from voting. Right. And this is a biggie, particularly when it comes to drug laws. Yeah. Then and now. Ah. Mississippi's 1890 Constitutional Convention was one of the first to use felony disenfranchisement laws against the Negroes. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, when cocaine became a substance you could be jailed for possessing, it meant more black men would get arrested, which meant more black men couldn't vote, and that was a good thing for white politicians. Ah, that's... That's pretty fucking smart and devious. In 1898, uh, this this constitution was challenged in the U.S. Supreme Court uh, in a case called Williams versus Mississippi, mm-hmm. and the Supreme Court basically said, "No, nah, it's fine," um, and basically legalized the concept of uh, all white juries, which was uh, part of that case as well. Jeez. Huh. Then Alabama in 1901, 
uh, passed a new constitution, mm-hmm. which said in part, the following person shall be disqualified both from registering and from voting. Namely, and sit down for this because it's quite long, all idiots and insane persons, those who shall by reason of conviction of crime be disqualified from voting at the time of the ratification of this constitution, those who shall be convicted of treason, murder, arson, embezzlement, malfeasance in office, larceny, receiving stolen property, obtaining property or money under false pretenses, perjury, subornation, I don't even know what that word means, of perjury. Mm -hmm. What does subornation mean? I've got to look that up. I don't like not knowing what means. Suborn, bribe or otherwise induce someone to commit an unlawful act such as perjury. Mm. He was accused of conspiring to suborn witnesses. All right, I've heard that before. Subordination of perjury. Robbery, assault with intent to rob. Burglary, forgery, bribery, assault, and battery on the wife. Mm. Bigamy, living in adultery. Sodomy, stop the gays from voting. (laughs) Incest, well, that's pretty much everyone in Alabama. (laughs) Rape, miscegenation. Fuck, what's miscegenation again? Is that mixing uh, other races? God, I can try and remember. It is. Okay. Interbreeding, Interbreeding of people considering to be of different races. Yeah. Crime against nature. What? what? <laughs> I peed on that tree. Is that a... Uh, never mind. Or any crime punishable by imprisonment in the penitentiary or of any infamous crime or crime involving moral turpitude. And this was a big thing because what is moral turpitude? Well, whatever the fuck you want it to be. Right. Um, Also, any person who shall be convicted as a vagrant or tramp or of selling or offering to sell his vote or the vote of another or of buying or offering to buy the vote of another or of making or offering to make a false return in any election by the people or in any primary election, blah, 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 blah. Did that thing just say it was illegal to be homeless? Yes. Okay. Well, no, not illegal. Uh, Well, you can be convicted. I guess it was illegal, but you can't vote if you're homeless. Right. If you've if you if you've been homeless, you can't vote. Ray, what's your address? Down by the old oak tree. I mean, the fuck. I live in a van under the river. <laughs> oh, I gotta listen to that. Hold on. <laughs> I haven't watched that for ages. Uh, fucking Farley. <laughs> Your mother, Ellen, and I are so glad you decided to join us for this family communication session. So, what's up? You guys getting divorced or something? No, we just wanted the family to talk as a group. Okay, well, let's get it started then. All right, well, Stacy, Brian, your father, Ted, and I are a little bit concerned. Celia, the cleaning lady, was in the family room and she found a bag of pot. She didn't smoke it, did she? No, she didn't smoke it. Now, we're not here to come down on you. I mean, that's not what we're about, okay? We're just concerned that pot could lead to other things. Crack, ice, boom, pow. But we know you don't want to hear this from us. Sure, I mean, we're your parents. Who wants to hear this stuff from their parents, eh? But your father and I came up with a brilliant idea to give you kids some direction. A motivational speaker. 
Yeah, one of those guys who speaks to big groups at high schools and churches. You mean to come to the house? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, right. all right, later. Thanks, anyway. Hey, 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 come on, you guys. This sent me back a few bucks. Okay, his name is Matt Foley. Now, he's been down in the basement drinking coffee for about the last four hours, and he should be all ready to go. I'll, I'll call him up. Matt, we're ready for you. His speech is called Go For It. Now, he's used to big groups, so make him feel like there's a crowd here. Matt, come on up, buddy! <laughs> everybody good 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 now as your father probably told you my name is Matt Foley and I am a motivational speaker now let's get started by letting me give you a little bit of a scenario of what my life is all about first off I am 35 years old I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. Now, you kids are probably saying to yourselves, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the world by the tail and wrap it around and pull it down and put it in my pocket. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're probably going to find out as you go out there that you're not going to amount to jack squat! <laughs> You're gonna end up eating a steady diet of government cheese and living in a van down by the river. Now, young man, what do you want to do with your life? Uh, actually, Matt, I kind of want to be a writer. Well, Lottie frickin' duh! <laughs> a writer here. Hey, Dad, I can't see real good. Is that Bill Shakespeare over there? Huh? Well, actually, Matt, uh, Ellen and I have encouraged Brian in his writing. Dad, I wish you could just shut your big yapper! <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe Farley and Hartman have both been dead for 20 years? Oh, my God. I knew it had been Farley wild died. Farley died in December 97. Hartman died in May of 98. One of us Holy is Holy shit, old. man. Yeah. Fuck. I remember when the, both of them died. Like, that's... Oh, man. Hartman. Fucking Hartman was a god to me. Yeah. Hartman was... He was so good. Mm-hmm. Was, and it was... Yeah. How, did he, how did he die? His wife? Ex-wife? Yeah. <laughs> No, his wife. wife. Um, you yeah, do you, bo- do, shot him? Do you remember the details? No, 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 no. I <laughs> yeah? don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> On the evening of uh, May 27th, 1998, Bryn Hartman visited the Italian restaurant Buca de Beppo in Encino, California, with producer and writer Christine Zander, who she said was in a good frame of mind. Who said she was in a good frame of mind? After returning to the couple's nearby home, Bryn started a heated argument with her husband who threatened to leave her if she started using drugs again, mm. after which he then went to bed. 
While Hartman slept, Bryn entered his bedroom sometime before 3 a.m. local time on May 28 with a 38 caliber handgun and fatally shot him twice in the head and once in the side. Jeez. She was intoxicated and had recently taken cocaine. Fuck, you know what? I'm flushing mine down the toilet. And, and for all you... Hold on. Yeah. Oh, shit. We're not finished yet. Oh, shit. Bryn drove to the home of her friend Ron Douglas and confessed to the killing, but initially he didn't believe her. The pair drove back to the house in separate cars. Bryn called another friend and confessed a second time. Upon seeing Hartman's body, Douglas called 911 at 6.20 a.m. Police subsequently arrived and escorted Douglas and the Hartman's two children from the premises, by which time Bryn had locked herself in the bedroom and committed suicide by shooting herself in the mouth. Oh, God. And who gave her the cocaine? Andy Dick, Hartman's former news radio co-star. Yeah. Apparently, uh, John Lovitz uh, claimed that Dick had approached him at a restaurant and said, I put the Phil Hartman hex on you. You're the next one to die. Fuck. Because he he had basically accused Dick of uh, giving her the cocaine or getting her hooked on cocaine again, Brent. Anyway, there you go. Cocaine, Phil Hartman, Farley. It's all connected. How did Farley die? <laughs> that I don't know. Uh, yeah, he uh, OD'd, uh, overdosed, age 33. Um, uh, was he 33? Yes, same age as Belushi. Um, I think it was uh, cocaine and uh, heroin. Uh, uh, cocaine and morphine. Overdose of cocaine God. and morphine. Farley. Okay, guys, all of you tell your wives that you love them tonight. Put the crack pipe down and just walk away. Yeah. Become a writer. Become Uh, a writer. (laughs) Dad, will you just shut the hell up? Lordy fucking da. Oh, man, I love those two guys. Anyway, where were we? We were talking. Oh, yeah. Okay. John B. Knox. Yeah. Believe it or not, uh, real name of the president of the Alabama Convention of 1991. I actually read the notes. I went through and dug up the uh, the notes of the Constitutional Convention of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, fascinating shit, man. Um, in during the convention, the hearings in the convention, John B. Knox, the president of the Alabama Convention, said, "What is it we want to do?" Why it is within the limits imposed by the federal constitution to establish white supremacy in this state. Mm. Just put it right out there. Yeah. He said uh, they wanted to exclude blacks from voting because they were inferior to whites and because the state needed to avert the menace of Negro domination. Here's a quote. The Negro is descended from a race lowest in intelligence and moral perception of all the races of men. It's not a, it's not a good quote. No. It doesn't make any sense, but that is actually in one of John B. Knox's Damn. quotes from the thing. So they didn't fuck around these guys. They didn't, as I said, they wore their white hoods with pride. They didn't even have a hood. They had the face cut out of the white hood. So they go, I'll oh, look, it's me. Say, yeah, it's John. Yeah, yeah. John Knox, man. Yeah, president of the Alabama Constitutional Convention. God. Well, I guess, I mean, do they really feel that they were doing wrong? And do they really, and they obviously they didn't feel they had to hide it. So they must have felt they had the, 
general agreement of the people of the state of Alabama. I guess so. Yeah. Within two years of this new constitution, voting restrictions had disenfranchised nearly 10 times as many blacks as whites. Jeez. Yeah, as now. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, just to compare that, um, as we're going to get into later, uh, the state of Virginia, when they when they start screwing around and disenfranchising blacks, um, the African-Americans qualified to vote dropped from 147,000 to 21,000. Obviously, this affected some mm. poor whites as well, but their votes probably weren't wanted either. So again, this was, going, uh, this was rampant throughout the South. Yeah. How do you stop poor people from changing things? Stop them from voting. Exactly. This is but you know, Ray, America loves democracy. I have to say that. Big, oh, Huge they fucking fans. love democracy. Yeah. They've started wars for democracy. They like other peoples <laughs> to have democracy. Um, anyway, you know, we, we've talked about in, in Greece and in Rome, in our other shows, it was about the rich whites wanted to, the rich white, well, they were white mostly, but <laughs> right. it was it, it was your rich rich white men who ran things, <laughs> and this was the same 100 years ago in America, and, and now that you've got a rich white racist guy as president, I would have to argue that things haven't changed a great deal, really. Right. Um, uh, now, you might think, well, this is something that happened just 100 years ago, this felony disenfranchisement. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not that much different these days. Um, you don't have poll taxes and literacy tests anymore, Mm -hmm. but the voting system in Alabama, as far as I understand, it still excludes convicted criminals, um, uh, from voting. Right. Anyone convicted of crimes of moral turpitude. Although in 1985, the Supreme Court said you can't, you can't use moral turpitude anymore as a term mm-hmm. to apply to misdemeanors because no one knows what the fuck it even means. Right. Um, but uh, in Alabama, they still use something along those lines to deny hundreds of thousands of felons, most of whom, most of whom, of course, are poor African Americans. Mm-hmm. There was an analysis done of the two thousand and eight president pre, 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 president presidential. Sure. Um, the pre- presidential election. They concluded. The, <laughs> I need more coffee. They concluded that these laws prevented two hundred and fifty thousand Alabamians right. from voting in that election. Whew. Damn. Um, as recently as last year. By last year, I mean two thousand and sixteen, because my date is uh, from right. late last year. Um, some 15% of otherwise eligible African-Americans lack the right to vote, according to a study by the Sentencing Project. Well, I, by the way, yeah. but, uh, today Alabama has one of the highest rates of felony disenfranchisement in the United States. 7.2% of its citizens and 15% of African-Americans Jeez. don't have the right to vote. Well, I remember in the news in late 2015 and early 2016, I think it was Alabama that was, they, they said they were doing this for reasons of cost efficiency. We're closing down a lot of DMV 
places and, and black areas. Obviously, that's where you go to, to register uh, to be able to vote and that kind of stuff. So they were so people were having to drive great distances to other parts of the state to be able to register to vote and take care of their driver's license, stuff like that. And again, they were being accused of doing that. So it'd be hard for blacks to vote. They denied it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to go by what the results were. And as you can see by those numbers, it's an impressive a number of people that cannot vote in Alabama who are black. a bit of Neil Young, Ray. Mm. That's all you have to say? Mm. Uh, no, it's a very hard-hitting song. I just never really got into to Neil Young. Fucking hell, Ray. What? I just not my cup Fuck. of tea. Fuck me, Ray. Go before you do anything. Before you edit the show. Before, before, before you do anything. Right. Before you play with the puppy. And that's and not a euphemism. <laughs> Just <laughs> no, seriously. Go outside, light a stogie, get yourself a nice little whiskey, single malt rum, and just just listen to the Harvest, nineteen seventy two. That's it. Don't have to listen to anything else. Right. I mean, there's other great, great, great Neil Young. I mean, you know me. I don't like fucking country music, man. But Neil Young, he's not even really country. He's just right. sort of rock folk, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Just listen to Harvest, man. Okay. Like Heart of Gold, like. Come on, man. Is it okay if I use limoncello or do I? Oh, yeah, this one I know.
want to live, I want to give, I've been a miner for a heart of gold, it's these expressions I never give, that keep me searching for a heart of Come on, man. Yeah, I like that song. I like, love that song. This is the fucking greatest American album ever. Like, what about Old Man? No, don't recognize the title. Oh, what? Uh, oh, okay, I recognize the song. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were Oh man, look at my life I'm a lot like you were Oh man, look at my life 24 and there's so much more Live alone in a paradise That makes me think of two Love lost such a cost Give me things that don't get lost Like a coin that won't get tossed Rolling home to you That's my favorite song. Fucking the American yeah. songbook. Yeah, yeah. He's got a big pro-drug song too on this oh album God. that I was going to play. The needle and the damage done. Oh it's not a pro-anti-drug song. I mean, not a pro-drug. <laughs> Fuck, I could just listen to is that it, album. Is, hold on, I'm right, confused. Is it pro or anti? <laughs> no, it's anti. Okay, it's anti. Just make it sure. All right. I mean, I, I think of it as a pro-drug song because I'm like, yeah, it's good. You get fucked up on drugs. But no, it's, it's anti-drug song. Gotcha. No, man, that album. Oh, my God. It's like one of the great fucking albums of the 70s, man. Okay. Makes me, makes me want to be a good old boy from the <laughs> South, that album. <laughs> <laughs> I, every time I listen to that album, I want to go buy a white robe and cut some fucking <laughs> eye holes in it, man. <laughs> it just... <laughs> okay, no, not that way. No, I love it. Um... <laughs> Getting back to the South, yes. um, Carter Glass. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> oh, fuck, what did I just do? I just lost something. Now, um, <laughs> what? Carter Glass, not to be confused with.
Yeah, that's heart of glass. Heart of glass. Okay. Not, Probably cousins. Not Carter. Not Carter. Yeah, cousins. Yeah, Carter glass. <laughs> and originally, that was her origin, original version of the song. She was singing about Carter glass. Yeah, and they said, well, no, um, you got to change. Once a new racist, Carter glass. Um... <laughs> Carter Glass was a newspaper publisher mm-hmm. and Democratic politician from Lynchburg Woo! in Virginia. 30 minutes from As here. I named, previous show, I think, is somewhere I talked about yeah. it. it, was named after the guy who invented lynching. Yeah, we're not proud of that. Um, literally, I told that story when we were in Durham, do you remember? Yeah. Uh, to uh, uh, AJ Levine when we were having a cigar <laughs> outside in the freezing fucking cold. Um, uh, anyway... Um, blah, blah, blah. He, uh, by the way, Carter Glass represented Virginia in both houses of Congress and served as the Secretary of Treasury under President Woodrow Wilson. Mm-hmm. When they were revising Virginia's constitution to include Jim Crow laws, he said, discrimination, why, that is exactly what we propose, to remove every Negro voter who can be gotten rid of legally without materially impairing the numerical strength of the white electorate. Wow. Actually, you read that wrong. You're supposed to read it like fog, Foghorn Leghorn. Discrimination, why, that is exactly, I mean, exactly, boy, what we propose. You got to get into it. <laughs> Sorry. I will do that with the next line. He said, uh... <clears throat> We will eliminate the docking as a political factor in this here state in less than five years. <laughs> there you go. I said five years. I said five years, boy. <laughs> <laughs> See, now it's authentic. You do that, but so much better than me, yeah. yeah, yeah. So much better. Yeah. Um, so again, not fucking around. He's out there. He, um, he was applauded <laughs> in the media, right. Virginia's media, for announcing their plan, which, quote, does not necessarily deprive a single white man of the ballot, but will inevitably cut from the existing electorate four-fifths of the Negro voters. Jeez. Yeah, that was the uh, literacy literacy test, the poll tax, uh, if you weren't grandfathered in. Yeah, just like every other state, they were slipping that stuff into their new constitutions. Now, Carter Glass's most notable achievement was the passage of the Glass-Steagall Act, Mm -hmm which separated the activities of banks and security brokers. Yeah, we see how well that worked. Well, it worked really well for about uh, 70 years until another Democrat, Bill Clinton, tore it up when he was president, which led directly to the global financial crisis of 2008. So thanks a lot, Democrats. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Um, Not not only... With Republican help. Jim Crow... Jim Crow laws and the global financial crisis. That's Democrats' contribution to America in the last hundred years. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but Carter Glass and Bill Clinton actually had a lot in common. No. Um, Both from the South. Um, As a young boy, Glass was given the nickname Pluck. Right. And as president, Bill Clinton loved to fuck... (laughs) So interns right. and other women. Um, Glass didn't like Negroes. Clinton didn't like to fuck his wife. <laughs> so a lot in common, as you can see. That's that's my best attempt at like a late night monologue. <laughs> that's the kind. Of, that's the formula for a late night monologue, right? Rhyming. Actually, yeah. if they have a lot in common, yeah. Writing, yeah. Virginia's 1902 constitution uh, wrote, uh, included in it, 
that uh, the people that they would disenfranchise people who prior to the adoption of this constitution were disqualified from voting by conviction of crime either within or without the state and whose disability shall not have been removed and persons convicted after the adoption of this constitution either within or without this state of treason or of any felony, bribery, petite larceny, obtaining money or property under false pretenses, embezzlement, forgery, perjury, and possession of drugs. Damn. So, basically, the point of this whole episode is one of the reasons it was made illegal is because it was believed, rightly or wrongly, that the darkies were the biggest drug users Mm. and you could use their conviction on those fronts to stop them from voting. Now, of course, this is mainly in the South. This isn't a national issue so much, but it's being driven a lot in the South where they, they were concerned about this. Uh, and, and it's being driven by the Democrats is the other point I wanted to make. Right. Um, uh, and what was the other point I wanted to make? Fucking Neil Young's album. That was the point I wanted to make. You go listen to Neil Young, man. Okay. What is wrong with you? Uh, so much. Ironically, maybe you can look this up uh, because your internet's better than mine. Um, Virginia's former governor, Terry McAuliffe, who worked with the Clintons, wanted to get rid of the law in Virginia that said felons can no longer have the right to vote. I don't know if he was able to get it through the um, state legislature, but he was certainly trying. I don't I don't remember how it ended, but there was a big argument about it for a couple of months right before he left office. Yeah, I don't know where that's at. I do know that felony disenfranchisement is actually um, gone in a lot of the US mm-hmm. now. Nowhere near as prevalent as it once was. Not as prevalent as I thought it was, right. actually, um, still today. So it's a gradually going away, but it has been a big issue for, you know... So it- the last uh, hundred years. See, I didn't know that because they made it sound, well, the Republicans in the state made it sound like it was a very big deal and that it was a very big no-no. We were inviting all kinds of trouble. I didn't know that a lot of other states had already done away with that because that's certainly not how it was spun during our uh, debate. So according to the sentencing project, currently in the United States, one, six point, well, let me go back. According to fucking the sentencing project, sentencingproject.org, 6.1 million Americans cannot vote because of a felony conviction. Mm. One out of every 13 African Americans has lost their voting rights Mm. due to felony disenfranchisement laws, and one in every 56 non black voters. Right. So it's still a big deal in the US. as it turns out, um, looking at, well, looking to a chart here, the 12 most extreme states restrict voting rights even after a person has served his or her prison sentence and is no longer on probation or parole. Such individuals in those states make up over 50% of the entire disenfranchised population. Only two states, Maine and Vermont, do not restrict the voting rights of anyone with a felony conviction, including those in prison. Mm. The ones that uh, convict people that still have felony disenfranchisement for people that are post-sentence. So um, it includes prison, parole, probation, and post-sentence, some are all. Alabama, Arizona, Delaware, Florida, Iowa, Kentucky, Mississippi, Nebraska, Nevada, Tennessee, Virginia, Mm. 
and Wyoming. So, again, mostly so southern I, states. Yeah, and if I understand that correctly, it means that even if you've gone to prison, you're out on parole, um, you've, you've finished your, 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 right. your debt to society, you still, you still can't vote. Yeah, no. Um, whereas in other states... Um, you can't vote while you're on parole or on probation or in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, or in some states, it's only while you're in prison. It's in New York, it's prison and parole. California's prison and parole. But yeah, okay. So there you go. It's still a big issue in the United States felony disenfranchisement. Um, we've got a bit of time left. Let me read some reviews. Before, before uh, you do, while. before you do. So- so I, I just want to tie the and you were saying this earlier, but I think it's worth just stating it flat out. Um, the stuff with banning all these drugs, uh, obviously on uh, moral grounds, religious grounds, people are starting to figure out that it's not good for people. Um, there's a lot of addicts going around and the whole race element. But then for these politicians to come along and to use what is generally a good thing by outlawing these drugs, especially people can't handle it, to their own advantage to disenfranchise blacks, and I don't mean this the way it sounds, but that's just pretty fucking clever to take something that's a moral that's a moral issue and then to tie it to a political advantage. That's just that's just pretty damn. That, that's that's bringing your A game to the politics. I you know <laughs> it's fucked up, but it's impressive. Yeah, and all, all the while talking about how much you love democracy, fucking love democracy, white democracy, democracy for white people. That's. You know, the American democracy is about government by the white people <laughs> for the, for the white, white people. people. By the rich white people for the rich white people. That's you have to be making at least 199000 Let me uh, read a review. Uh, I'll do two because I haven't done one for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one's Patrick from Chicago. Uh, he writes, another Cam and Ray show to look forward to. This truly is Cam in his element. He no longer needs to have a historical timeline that he jumps out of to start ranting about a current event. <laughs> he can now fully focus on that current event. Alas, I wouldn't recommend all the Ray and Cam podcasts to everyone. Well, fucking why am I reading this review, Patrick? But I would recommend the Castro obituary episodes, the unofficial start of this show to all. Extremely good listen and eye-opening to hear Cam Tear through the Western propaganda of a highly established American newspaper, regardless of any of your beliefs. Syria was good. Gun control was a nice little dabble. I don't know when or if a solution will come to the US, but I can say, at least in Chicago, there is definitely a strong desire from the majority of the city to end the gang violence. That said, there is a reason St. Jude, patron saint of the hopeless cases, is also the patron saint of the Chicago Police Department. Keep up the good work. All right, that was all right, Patrick. uh, Half a uh, This one's from... Half a mug. A peed-in mug. Honestly, I wouldn't recommend my podcast to everyone either. Some, I, I meet some people out socially, and they go, oh, what are you doing? I go, I do these podcasts. They go, oh, I'm going to listen. I always go, really? Uh, <laughs> nah, give it a miss. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Honestly, having known you for five minutes, I don't think you're going to enjoy the shows. Just no. Give it a miss. Don't. Yeah. Don't, yeah. yeah. Uh, another review from Dicky My Dicky <coughs> in Australia. Okay. Um, Dicky My Dicky writes, so each month my bank account is depleted by about six pence or something. Whatever it is, it's less than the cost of a coffee. Absolutely worth it just for the final episode on gun control, which I had to listen to twice. 
On your lads, this is a winner. Thank you, Dickie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dickie and Patty, uh, send us an email um, to whatever. <laughs> we'll work it out. Uh, that's on you. With your postal address, and we'll send you a token of our appreciation. <sighs> and we'll be back. That's the end of our cocaine, history of cocaine episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, next episode, we're going to get into the history of heroin and opium. Um and then, sort of, so you know where this is going. Once we talk about the history of these things, we get up. The plan here is to get up to 1930. Once we get up to 1930, then we can talk about get back to Harry Anslinger, the gunslinger, right. Harry the gunslinger, Anslinger, <laughs> and really start talking about the war on drugs. And then, of course, I want to get up to Nixon in the 70s yeah. and his whole fucking deal and Reagan and and not just American centric. We're going to touch on global stuff as well. But you know, a lot of this stuff has been driven by the United States. And Harry Anslinger's story is a big part of that because Harry travelled the world, basically threatening all the other countries to get on board with America's war on drugs Jeez. in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, and it ties into communism and the commies and this and that. A bit like the Germans in World War One, right. they're trying to bring down as the commies, they're trying to bring down Western society with drugs. Now they just use fucking hackers, apparently. <laughs> but back in there, those days, they thought it was the drugs. Um, you know, the drugs are always blamed on somebody who's trying to bring down society. It's the Germans mm-hmm. or the commies. Or it's the Mexicans, they're sending... They're not sending the best people, they're sending their rapists and their drug dealers. <laughs> or it's, you know, the... You know, you name it. It's, it's always the bad... It's not... It's never... You know what? People are miserable, they want to take drugs, and they're going to buy them from whoever they can get them from, right. you know, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, There's a market. Let's, let's, ad- let's address the root cause. People are miserable. Why are they miserable? Let's address that. We're the richest fucking nation on earth. Mm-hmm. People are miserable... Why are they miserable? Let's work it out. No, no, no. We don't, we don't do that. No. That would require too much soul surging. Let's just blame it on the guys selling them the stuff that they want because they're miserable. Makes sense. Anyway, yeah. fu- fuck it. We're going to go out with a bit more of fucking um, Neil Young, man, because you disgust me. Here's the needle and the damage done from 1972's Harvest album. <laughs> Watch the needle take another man. 